0: Hello everybody, welcome to Into the Prey, Breaching the Chaos of the Church. It's yours truly, Nick, Franks here with my beloved Mary Franks. If you're looking on this on video, you'll be able to see see us. We're doing this this particular episode on both podcast audio only and also via the cameras and so on. I'd mentioned in recent weeks having come towards the end of our long teaching series through the Book of One Corinthians and coming into the literally the last few verses of chapter sixteen that we wanted to do a separate session on a couple that appear in the Bible in the New Testament very closely connected with Paul by the names of Aquila and Priscilla, or depending <laughs> yeah. depending on your persuasion.
1: Priscilla and Aquila Priscilla and Aquila yeah. or indeed
0: Prisca now or Prissa I think it's probably a silent c um just as a as a quick um detail it, sometimes Priscilla is as Priscilla and other times it's Prissa which actually isn't a shortened version of Priscilla so much as the other way around Priscilla I think by all accounts would be like calling me Nikki it's it's like a nickname her her actual name is Prissa and you might not know that, and that doesn't necessarily work the other way with Aquila. Anyway, we're talking about... Do you, do you want to kick us off, sweet? We're doing it. We want to do this as a couple um, for reasons that I hope would be obvious, but, um, yeah, it's, it's an important conversation. that I feel, as I hope we're about to say now, mm. that the reason we're doing this episode on on this couple and particularly with their proximity to Paul... Um, it's a, it's an inv- it's a very very important f- uh, subject this, mm-hmm. and it's actually quite difficult to overstate the importance of it.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely, and that's you know that's why we wanted to take the time to do an episode on this. And if you have listened to any of our episodes regularly, you will know that we often talk about the chaos of the church. That's kind of something that crops up all the time, and we wanted to speak about this in particular because we feel that it is one of these areas that really is a major contributor to the chaos that exists in the body of Christ at the moment. Yeah. Um, and, well, is the biggest or one of the biggest. It probably overlaps with a couple of other areas as well, but certainly causes major problems with with serious spiritual Yeah consequences. So that's, you know, that's why we want to go through today.
0: Yeah, I mean, when when we talk about the chaos of the church, it's for good reason that we will, I think, pr- quite possibly be talking about the chaos of the church for all of our lifetimes. Mm. Um, the reason being is that talking about it in an ad hoc thematic way doesn't breach the chaos of the church. Mm-hmm. You know, people might think, well, OK, we get it, Nick. Nick and Mary, we get it. Mary and Nick, Nick and Mary. Um, the point is, ninety-nine percent of the church don't get it, and um, neither is it this unhealthy focus on the negative, some kind of like bent in us that doesn't know how mm-hmm. to find joy or worship or have a positive vi- vision for what the Lord is doing and what He will achieve before He comes. It's it's this is a requirement, isn't it? This is a this is yeah. a, a necessary part of getting to that point. And this issue, so we don't want you just to think of that in gen- in generic terms. We don't want you just to think, okay, Nick and Mary, we get it again, you know, just doctrinal error. This is one of this issue to do with man and w- male and mm. female, the leadership. To use technical terms, egalitarianism and it. This is, if not the biggest issue in the church, it's one of the top three. It's like, it's like the unholy trinity of the church, mm-hmm. um, which is why we're talking about it.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it, like I say, it overlaps with other stuff, other issues that come up as well. So, some of the root causes of why people lean incorrectly in this is because of a root issue that you can also apply to other major topics as well that we've covered and other ones that mm-hmm. are still to be covered. So, when you think, when you study the Bible correctly or incorrectly, that is a root cause of a lot of false doctrine. And when mm-hmm. you sort, When you straighten that out, suddenly a whole load of things can be straightened out and put into the correct order that they should be in.
0: Yeah, if people want to get serious, you know, one of the things that we might refer to in this today is um, getting straightened (laughs) out if people's heart's desire is to straighten out or whether their agenda is actually more to defend just what they want Hmm. rather than coming to this stage, this juncture in world and church history, with the attitude which is, above all things, Lord, let us not believe that which is false, and please, it's, it's the whole thing of the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. lead us into all truth. So it's it's not um it's not a guarantee that people come to this with that right heart attitude. No. and actually that might touch on one of the things we'll say in a minute. That is the standard for Christian disciple Mm -hmm. it's not my will but your will be Mm -hmm. done should we should we crack on
1: yeah so um first of all we just wanted to to mention that the purpose of this video was to think about the consequences that result of leaning towards an egalitarian position as opposed to complementarian and we'll give a few examples from our own experience as well but just a few other things that we've come across to kind of just open that up a little bit and to have a proper conversation about it. Now, we also just wanted to mention a particular video that we had watched, which we found to be really helpful, um, which is on YouTube. Mike Winger, if you've not heard of him, he's really good. And he um he's done an excellent video that talks a little bit about this, but a whole range on his series to do with women in leadership. And we would highly recommend going through that and watching it and taking the time. Um he really dives into a lot of the detail on this um and that's where we wanted to distinguish slightly what we're doing today is to kind of say well okay if we reach the point that the complementarian view is biblical what are the consequences of not holding to that particular perspective
0: this point is massive and again it's very difficult to overstate the importance of this excuse me the egalitarian position and the complementarian position often fall into the landscape of the church, the chaos, meaning that it's not really there's no real sense of implication mm. of the disagreement, and what we want this distinct, the distinctive of this conversation to to be as separate from from the from the legwork that Mike has done, Mike Winger has done on this, and we're very grateful for that. And we'll put his note, his uh, video, and mm. you can go ahead and watch that. It's about two two and a quarter hours. Uh, we encourage you to do the legwork on that if you've never done it before. But we want to make the distinctive with this. What we're saying now is, what's the point of having this conversation? In other mm-hmm. words, and we don't hear that from what Mike is saying. In in other words, not there isn't a fine enough, there isn't a sharp enough point put on this issue to do with what are the implications of this being wrong, both in terms of our personal discipleship before the Lord, which is how we'll be stood before Him on that day but also for the church. We should have a burden for the state of the church. We run the gauntlet of being accused of being the worst enemy of the church by focusing on the chaos. But the, po- the point is we're not serving the church. We're not building the, the no. body up in agape if we don't put a fine enough point on this, which is to say, okay, establishing, and it doesn't take much work, no. as we're about to see, <laughs> the egalitarian position is woefully poor it's weak it's laughably weak so but again mike has done the work to show that yeah. we'll draw we'll allude to that in a moment mm. but it's to make this point what are the implications mm. what are the implications the consequences personally corporately if this is wrong mm. and blowing open this notion of just well sell you know no this is this is getting much more granular when people say, "Okay, well, what does the chaos of the church I mean this is this is the chaos. Yeah. this is mm-hmm. like the center of the storm yeah um and so we're we're seeking we're hoping to show you that, show you the consequences, the implications, and get you to start to absorb that that's what we want. We want people to absorb mm-hmm. wherever you're listening to us from, whatever church context you're in, whatever your upbringing and tradition has been, whatever your current position is, we want you to begin to absorb with the help of the Holy Spirit absorb the implications of this issue of of male and female leadership being wrong
1: mm-hmm. yeah so first of all we just we did want to highlight a couple of important passages um about Aquila and Priscilla Um just to kind of point out where the egalitarian thinking and mindset really fo- really falls yeah down. where their argument comes yeah, from. It yeah it just and you'll see that There's really not much basis to it at all. Now, one of the big ones that's pulled out of Acts 18 with Apollos, so you can go and read that. Do you want to go through these these
0: moments with um, where Priscilla and Aquila crop up? There's five or six.
1: There's six actual passages of scripture in the 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 New New Testament, Testament, yeah, where um, both of their names are mentioned together, and in four of them, Priscilla's name comes first and Aquila's is second and then the f- the other two his name comes first and then what's the significance
0: of that so for the egalitarian.
1: for The this seems to hold some sort of significance that that results in an argument towards female leadership female authoritarian spiritual leadership in the early church and therefore you know women can be in charge just as men were etc cetera, etc cetera. um it, it's just strange, really. um It's odd to think about in terms of how the argument is unpacked. Mm. But looking at this example from Acts eighteen, this is one of the just the passages that is used.
0: Should um, we spell it out for people because it, it, it might need that? So, so basically, um do we want to? Have you got? Well, yeah.
1: So um, in this passage. Apollos is teaching. Which passage? Eight, Acts 18.
0: Okay, so Acts 18. This is for folks now. Let's give them the passages now so yep. they can do this so work. So
1: this is the first one. So Acts 18. And in it, Apollos is teaching in a synagogue. Aquila and Priscilla are present there while he's teaching. And they take him aside afterwards to basically correct a little bit and to um, fill in the gaps that he had in his his understanding of... The gospel and of salvation mm. and the Holy Spirit essentially. Um, the The reality is that while <laughs> Priscilla's name is first in this, there's no emphasis necessarily on her as being the one who corrects him specifically.
0: Yeah, well, we we can come to the Acts 18 in a minute, and we're not going again. We're not going to go into any of these specific moments. Um, because we're not wanting to duplicate what other Mike and others will have done, can, can I just pause on that for a minute, and we'll come back to Acts eighteen just in, just in a passing comment to do with those other four or five references. And it's really just to give you, if you're listening or watching, the, the the passages where this goes. And it's worth just mentioning this that that the significance of Aquila and Priscilla are the proximity of their relationship as a married couple with Paul the apostle, particularly in Corinth. With whom they spent eighteen months doing life together. They lived together. They spent eighteen months in the city of temples, as we call it, Corinth, um, and they worked together. They had a business together as tent makers, leather tent makers. They would have made other things besides tents, I'm sure. But it's 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 there are a whole bunch of different women that the egalitarians point to, and Priscilla isn't the only one of them. They're just it's just they're just one, but they are a unique couple in that sense mm-hmm. because of their proximity with Paul and I think it's for that reason it's to make this point and look the other thing is they relocated with him to Ephesus they, they actually left and went with him they moved with him so there was a particularly close relationship with Paul the main writer of the New Testament and this couple called Aquila and Priscilla Aquila the, the man Priscilla the woman in case unless that's obvious but what but where did they come from it's worth just covering that quickly and that's what that's what comes out of Acts 18. I think it's Acts 18, where they come from. They have to leave um, Rome because of the op- because of the oppression of the Jews. Aquila was a Jewish man, and Priscilla was a, an Italian by all, by all accounts.
1: Yeah. So, um, sorry, where were you going from there?
0: <laughs> the point of oh, well, it's important to make the point that the, Priscilla isn't just a random woman for the egalitarians. Where they try to lever the example of Priscilla mm. as a as a particularly strong example of why egalitarian position is the biblical position, actually it works in the opposite because they knew Paul so well. When you think about the overwhelming sway of the rest of his teaching, can you imagine Paul doing life with Priscilla and Aquila and Priscilla, or Priscilla and Aquila? In the shop, in in the leather working shop or in the home, you know, in moments of public evangelism or in the synagogue debating the house of Tyrannus or whatever, or just kicking back. Can you imagine Aquila and Priscilla as a couple then representing something that the rest of Paul's teaching that contradicts Mm -hmm. the rest of his Mm -hmm. teaching? So where the egalitarians would want to point to Priscilla as a prime example of why egalitarianism is a faithful biblical position, it actually... I think points to the. I think it points everybody to the reality that they, of all people, Priscilla, of all, of all women, in that sense, mm. wouldn't wouldn't be standing for an egalitarian position. Mm-hmm. I mean, talk about the exemplars of a complementarian position. They would. Put, Priscilla would have understood what it meant to be a woman of strength and of equality and all the things that the egalitarians would want to then. Uh, extrapolate to meaning that they can have female bishops and, mm. and there's no difference between men and women. She she would have represented the kingdom, that's what we're saying, yeah. re- as a couple.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And I think that's obvious from the different passages when you go and study them. There's no sense in which Priscilla has any authority over Aquila or any authority in a, church, a local church context mm. and that really comes out from the different passages. That
0: Mike helps us with and yeah. again, go and listen to that, yeah. We'll put the link in.
1: Yeah, and it's, it is definitely worth listening to. Um...
0: Sorry, I'd interrupted you, but the reason I'd, I'd done that yeah. is because I think it's important to have made that that comment at the beginning for people to understand. Mm-hmm. Priscilla isn't just a random, although she is one of a, a list of different people that the mm-hmm. egalitarians point to. They, they were a unique couple. Mm-hmm. Priscilla was a unique woman in that sense because of their proxy. No one else lived, none of those other women lived with Paul. No, no. You know? Um, so the so the acts 18 was one do you want to just quickly give the other biblical references
1: um so i don't have all of the list of them but if you google them you would find all six of them there's three that come up in acts one in romans um one in timothy
0: oh right, let me just give you them so acts 182 and A- acts 1826 that's what i w- we were just referring to that the other one is romans 163 one corinthians 1619 and the last one is 2 Timothy 4.19. So that's two verses or two, Acts 8, read Acts 18, Romans 16, verse 3, and then 1 Corinthians 16.19 and 2 Timothy 4.19. They are the references of the couple.
1: Yeah. Um, now, uh, one other thought that we had just as we were thinking about this was the origin of the names and this, you know, Just because her name comes first, does that necessarily mean you can then assume that she has authority over um, her husband or Paul or anybody in the local church context? And from scripture, there's nothing, you can't assume that just because of the ordering of the names in scripture.
0: So do you want to talk about the Acts 18 bit for a bit?
1: Yeah, so that example that I mentioned earlier with Apollos, um, where they take him aside to correct him on his explanation, his teaching in the synagogue.
0: And Apollos was a big deal. That's one of the, the things that egalitarians would say, is that Apollos was a big deal. He was arguably an apostle himself. Yeah. And this couple that we're talking about, with Priscilla's name first, took this guy aside to teach him yeah. doctrine.
1: Yeah. And there there are a couple of points to be made on this. Firstly, uh, there's no emphasis that necessarily that Priscilla more than Aquila the names just come together as they do in other passages um so there's no reason to assume that she had some kind of authority in this um and certainly not in a regular fashion either you know this is one time example that's given um over this when she's when they both speak to this particular man to correct him um and it's not done in a public setting it's done privately it's not done in a, a kind of institutionalized setting where she has authority. It's done on a one-off occasion. Mm. Um, The other side of this that's worth noting, and this, as we've said, doesn't come into the same category as holding an egalitarian view, but it is worth mentioning that complementarian view can swing far too far the opposite way. And it is clear from this passage of Scripture that she was able to correct a man on a theological point when she was not holding a place of eldership authority so that is that is a good example of where if you hold a complementarian view you have to be willing to accept that this is in god's word and he put it there for a reason and that women are more than able and allowed to correct and give accurate doctrinal understanding in certain contexts um which is important?
0: Yeah, it, well, let, let's just make this point again. We want to keep this brief because there really isn't a huge amount to say here. Um The complementarian view can be really wrong as well. It, it result yeah. it results in this attitude of um, just being legalistic, and you know, whatever phrase was was used, you know, paranoid masculinity, <laughs> where it's like you can't speak to a woman on the edge of on in a street without. Needing her to somehow submit to your leadership as a man, that kind of thing. So that so the complementarian goes the wrong way as well. And what we're trying to do here is is with a scalpel like line divide between religion and the kingdom of heaven. Mm. There's no reason why Priscilla could have been involved with Aquila in correcting Apollos's in deficient theology to do with something mm. as major as yeah. the as Pentecost. Um, there's no reason for that to that doesn't negate Paul's teaching on headship in the church no, and at home. Absolutely not. Um so so there is a complementarian um there's a warning to complementarians as well. We we'd com- we'd be complementarian, but that doesn't mean to say that, you know, you can't discuss doctrine with me here now for a public audience. No. We're not in a local church setting. No. Um and even if you were, there would arguably be a place for that. Mm-hmm. We do need to talk about that because, of course, Aquila and Priscilla don't give license for married couples leading a church in, mm-hmm. in equity in that sense. Yeah. But but make this point as well, that the com- where the complementarian position traditionally, for example, in, say, like a reformed context, that tends to be big on this, where it's like the male has to be... Um, recognized as being the leader in all contexts and that just begin that just is religious legalism basically it's not the same kind of error or as serious as the egalitarian position yeah exactly this yeah. is not apples and apples and pears apples and apples these are two one is well we're going to draw these conclusions now in brief that the egalitarian position is begins to even i think question whether a church is legitimate whether uh, whether people know God or not, I think it's that serious. Mm-hmm. That's not the same as the complementarian um, tendency to err towards an error. You know, there are two different kinds, mm-hmm. the two two categories of error, basically. Yeah,
1: mm-hmm. yeah definitely. Um, so, I guess uh, that's probably a good place to start when we're thinking about um, the implications that. We need to absorb when we come to mm. discuss this and the consequences of it, so i hope
0: this I hope that makes sense to people in terms of the need to to absorb the implications of this,
1: yeah, I mean we anytime you come to a controversial topic like this or something that feels controversial within the church context w- the first question we have to think about is if if something if we hold a view that is wrong. What are the resulting implications for the spiritual health of the body if we're doing something that's incorrect? And and it's serious. It's really serious. Like if we've got something as major as this wrong, that is going to have a direct effect mm-hmm. on how we function as the body. Well,
0: should we spell it out for folk? Because that's our desire with this yeah. podcast. It's It's so that it's so that it helps people to face what I think is as clear as the light coming through that blind. It's as clear as day. that The egalitarian position, which again, just for, just for your notes, is that there's no difference between men and women. There's no difference in, in the church leadership context. There's no difference in the home. Whereas the complementarian agree with egalitarians in that God has made male and female equal. It just means that there's difference in role and function. Um the egalitarians, of course, would argue that that difference of role and function doesn't equate to equality. They, they, for them, yeah. egalitarian equality is only if men and women can be exactly the same
1: in all areas. An, an, andro- yeah.
0: an androgynous type of, you know, what gender fluid, gender neutral conclusion, which mm-hmm. is just bonkers. Mm-hmm. Um, But it's serious. I mean, it doesn't get any more serious than this. This is why we've done the piece with giving tribute to Melvin Tinker. Mm -hmm, mm
1: -hmm. And depending on what church tradition you might come from, this can be very different. So in some denominations, for example, women can just be the leader of a church and that's perfectly accepted. And there are other more subtle forms of this as well, where churches would do like a, a joint husband and wife yeah. kind of leadership. But but, the,
0: but there's that's no coincidence. There's a connection yeah, between those two realities. Exactly. You know, like let's let's be let's be clear. The likes of Elim Pentecostal churches tend to be like this big time. They'll have couples often with husband and wife interchangeably doing having different spiritual leadership roles. And, and in a sense you think, well, who are the pastors? Well, it's Pastor A and his wife Pastor B. Um, vineyard churches mm-hmm. are classically like this. The likes of Hillsong, you know, they they would be dubious for for many other reasons. But this is a, this is where it all starts and falls. Mm-hmm. So it's it's that connection between those types of commonplace models, which result in attitudes from people. It's like, well, what's the problem? You know, if mm-hmm. you've got a man in place,
1: yeah. What's the issue? what's the issue?
0: Yeah. So, but there's but the connection between that and then having head shaven lesbian. Bishops in charge of networks of churches. The connection being between those two is once you shift from what God Mm. says, why not have anything?
1: Yeah, and that's that is the slippery slope, which is often seen as a fallacy, but isn't. That when you, if you can change, if you can look at scripture and change it to say whatever it is that you want to say based on your personal conviction, you can change anything. Mm -hmm. You know, there's no sense in which.
0: And so, what? Don't. Um, so, what? What is the only the only rational conclusion? Is that is that you have God in your image, yeah, not God as He says He exactly. is, not the God disclosed in the pages of mm-hmm. the Bible, but God fashioned like a golden calf from our own pet fancies and preferences. This is just. Let's just cut to the chase. This is what we're saying. This issue of egalitarianism. If you want to learn about egalitarianism and how laughably weak their position is and it's there's no integrity to it mike winger has done a brilliant job of just showing how duplicitous footnotes of leading egalitarians are in their supposedly scholarly works go and go and listen to mike in fact i would encourage you to stop listening to this podcast now go and invest an evening Mm -hmm. which will be two an hour but two plus hours listen to his work on it, and then come back and listen to what we're about to say mm-hmm. in this, which is to cut to the chase and say, if people are making God in their own image, golden calves, and again, our our main burden in this conversation today, with the two of us thinking of Aquila and Priscilla, is the absorbing the implications of this. If people are making God in their own images, what does that say of churches like Perth Baptist Church? not not more than 45 minutes from where we're recording right now, whose website says we are unashamedly egalitarian. We are unashamedly rejecting what the Bible says clearly about male and female God he made them in terms of local church leadership and governance as well as in the home. What does that say about Perth Baptist Church, the leaders of Perth Mm -hmm. Baptist Church who are unashamedly egalitarian, and the people who go to that church and feed from that trough. What, what, let's, just, let's just get cut to the chase. What, what, what is this saying?
1: Well, it comes down to simply rejecting what the Bible has to say. You're informed. But well, it's rejecting God. Exactly. You're informed and motivated and moved by culture by whatever it is you're trying to achieve in your church building, that has become the priority and the agenda. So, you know, egalitarianism leans very culturally towards where things are at the moment, and you're choosing that over Mm. choosing God's Mm self-revelation in Scripture. Mm -hmm. His very, very clear and distinct Guidelines for the appointment of elders in churches that are i mean just they 're male there's there's no way around it
0: no, but people might not understand that the difference between say elders and deacons again go and listen to mike 's work on that we won't, we, do, we don't want to spend time duplicating that now, but the the, the, the distinctive of an elder is a is a, a dot is a teaching, teaching position role. teaching yeah. role in the church and that 's why they point vociferously to the example in Acts 18 with Priscilla apparently mm-hmm. teaching doctrine to Apollos. And that somehow from that, I mean, one of the characteristics we can just mention in passing from the is th- is just the abuse of scripture where they, where they take something, stretch it, force it to mean something else. And it's quite, it's quite clear that it doesn't mean that. For example, if, If a lady like, I'm trying to think of another example, Phoebe, I think it was Phoebe that took the letter of Romans to the church, Um, but where there are other references to, for example, Chloe, in the first few chapters of the book of 1 Corinthians, of the home, the church that meets in Chloe's household. Now, you don't need a degree in theology to understand (laughs) that just because a church meets in Chloe's household house doesn't necessarily mean that Chloe was the overseer or the elder yeah. who had responsibility, <laughs> spiritual authority for that church. You don't need a degree in theology to understand that. But the the whole egalitarian position is based on that kind of stretching mm-hmm. of scripture. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's it's absurd. Mm-hmm. And, the, and the thing with Mike, thank you, Mike, the unlikely chance that you're watching this, is... Um, is he did? Mike showed more than that. He mm-hmm. showed that the footnotes that these yeah. women—I can't remember the name—these egalitar- raving egalitarian heretics, and I'm just going to call it what they are: it's heresy. Um, their footnotes weren't even supporting their argument.
1: No, flimsy at best and mute at worst. I mean, it just
0: Mike. Mike is a teacher. He's got a. He, we were discussing this off camera, the different tones between, say, Mike's dealing of this and mine. I do feel emotional about this, not in an unstable way, but I'm not going to try and be quite you know you, know, you, you this is why it's sometimes nice to be able to see us as well as hear us i'm I, it's It's impossible to overstate the importance of this, and as such, if it's one of the most important things that's crippling the church mm-hmm. i'm going to i'm going to mm-hmm. it's it's wrong to try and deal with this in a kind of uh dispassionate tone all the time because because I don't think it draws people to to face the implications of this yeah do you see what I'm saying yeah and
1: it reflects the way that the church that it reflects the way that the church sees things as well that's your view and this is Mm -hmm. you know this kind of accepting everything whatever suits you you you, you know if you've worked out from the bible that somehow egalitarianism is correct then well that's fine for you type thing and it just comes back to the whole thing of are we repre- we we are God's representatives on Earth.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: How do we represent Him? Mm-hmm. It's madness.
0: Well, let's come back to the implications. Yeah, the implications. I'm, I want to use this church, local to us, as an example. We don't know them, but I, I get in God's uh, providence. I was I saw their website. Recently, and um, I wrote to them, and I, I warned them. I said to them, you know, I don't need to tell you exactly what I said to them, but in not, in the most gracious way I, I knew how to. This is not a neutral issue. This is not a slight. This is a catastrophe. It's a disaster for the church. It's a disaster for your church. But let let's talk about um, the what, for folk who might not have appreciated this the seriousness of this, the gravity of mm. this, is that what we're talking about um going back to the garden and again this is where melvin tinker was so helpful in the other video that we'll put into this video link um is that it goes back to the garden it's this 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 issue is to do with male and female he made them and god has god has made it so that spiritual authority and spiritual leadership work with this thing called headship now without going into all of the the nuances of the family home in a church context or whatever the, the base keep it simple let's explain this as though it was to somebody who was either a new christian or not yet saved god has made spiritual leadership and spiritual authority and you could say spiritual power to work in a certain way mm-hmm. whether doctrinal teaching or the organization of worship in a meeting or keeping things orderly 1 Corinthians 12 13 and 14 that kind of thing. So what what are we saying? When, when that's rejected, and again there's no, the egalitarian position if you look into this, it's 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 laughable. It's not it's it doesn't leave us thinking or oh, maybe we need to review this position. No. It just reestablishes mm-hmm. how rebellious this all is, and that's really what I'm get, what I'm driving at here with the, with the church as an example here, who are so brazen, unap- unapologetically egalitarian. I think let me just let me just answer my own question. I think there is at least a question mark over the legitimacy of a church that believes that. I think it renders spiritual leadership illegitimate.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And I think that it, it, it brings into question, if I was to push it to an extreme, of questioning whether the people involved in that actually know the Lord. So, so serious is this issue. And that's hence the, the piece that we did, the, the Death and Dearth of Spiritual Authority. Um that we won't go into now, but explain explained, explained mm-hmm. the whole thing in London. That whole example mm-hmm. that the Lord gave us as an exposure to the seriousness yeah, and of this. what
1: it was serious, wasn't it? Like really, the result was death. So like,
0: does that make sense? What I was saying? Yeah, I mean, if you push this, the implicating, absorbing the implicating, yeah. and Mike's Mike Winger isn't doing that. He's faithfully, he's done Exposing, all the work, yeah, he, all the work for that. But but the you you could just park up there. And I, I, we can't park up there. We have to push this, so folk can begin to absorb the implication of it. It's not, it's not good enough to just say some are egalitarian, some are complementarian. No. If, if there were, like, on the issue of eschatology, for example, yeah, that's different. Very different. You, yeah. you can't. You're not going to. I'm, I'm, no, I'm never going to say Doug Wil, Wilson. Is there's a question mark over whether we're saved <laughs> yeah. just beca- because, you know, because he's got a post millennial conviction, we don't, yeah. you know, it's not in the same category. This, this is why this issue of egalitarianism is, I would say, at the sharpest end of the spear of the demonic in the church. Mm. Um, when you read the New Testament scripture, when you study, and this is why it makes such a joke of this thing of Priscilla and Aquila. Well, Priscilla's name was mentioned first before Aquila. We didn't even mention the example where Paul was talking about the local church context mm-hmm. when it just so happened Aquila's name was first. Uh, yeah. um, we're not getting into that because it's like that's that's a secondary thing. It's like clearly something as important as a man and a woman, spiritual leadership, the governance of the local church, the way that God has set up in his wisdom and to work you know it's not to do with syllables in a a woman's name coming first before the syllables of a male name it's the garden Mm -hmm. it's understanding that the new jerusalem the foundations of which are going to be based on men the name of 12 men um and as our friend steve says you know if you don't like male leadership now you're going to hate it in heaven
1: (laughs) and i think i think the example of the garden is really important as well because it was God's created order, and it's order. God has created a, a good and healthy order for our benefit, and when we reject that, we live in chaos. And the thing is, it, to our eyes, it often doesn't look like chaos. We were speaking about this mm. earlier, and just sometimes we don't... The things that God would call evil are rebellious... We want to just yeah. downplay and say, oh, it's just a difference of opinion or mm. that's just your view. But actually, God's word is very black and white about a lot of these issues. Mm-hmm. And if we are not falling in line with God's view on something, he, he doesn't view it as just a difference of opinion. He calls it rebellion or disobedience or unfaithfulness. Yeah. It's, those are the strength of categories that we fall into mm-hmm. if we're not obeying his word.
0: Yeah. Yeah, and and the word unfaithfulness again, that we talk about a lot and it, it can I, I suppose sound a little bit soft. Unfaithfulness should be should be a horrendous thought. Think of unfaithfulness in this context of egalitarianism and complementarism being like your spouse cheating on you. Mm-hmm. This is why the book of Hosea and Ezekiel chapter sixteen is so important to understanding the heart of God and understanding the relationship of God with his people. He's so loving. He's so loving that he hasn't smited the church.
1: Yeah.
0: You know, the the warning of Revelation 3.19 is strengthen that which remains. I think it was Sardis. Strengthen that which remains and is about to die. This is the thing we haven't quite talked about yet, but you know, in terms of the significance of absorbing the implications of the seriousness of all of this to do with men and women mm-hmm. and the and the androgyny of the church, um and ultimate judgment, you know, yeah. I I would say I would actually use now the word antichrist. And it might shock some of you to hear me say that, but if you're an egalitarian listening to me, I want to say clearly and strongly that what you believe isn't just biblically unfaithful it is anti-Christ it's anti the man Jesus Christ you say you love more than life Jesus for me to live as Christ and to die as gain and yet my my basic theology is anti the man Jesus it's anti his rule and reign we tend to think of Antichrist being like lawless lawlessness. Lawlessness mm-hmm. in terms Dane, of yeah, yeah yeah, all the horrendous things that we're seeing. Yeah. Vladimir Putin, lawlessness, yeah, lo- egalitarianism.
1: Yeah. Difference of opinion. Difference of yeah. opinion. Mm-hmm. It's
0: not, it's it's exactly the same spirit of Antichrist. You need to you need to this is what this is why I want our distinctive here, under the law, to, to shine forth like a blazing torch and to resound like a gong you know a cl- uh, not a clanging cymbal but a foghorn <laughs> it has to steer people to the to the implication
1: mm-hmm.
0: which is this is anti god
1: mm-hmm.
0: which which means what not just you know vaguely indifferent to him it means opposed to him mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and that that i think is what we're pushing people to realize here is that this is it's, it's difficult for us to st- overstate the importance of this. And if you are either kind of a little bit beige on this as an issue or you think, well, the chaos of the church, what does that really mean? We're telling you this is what one of the main things is what this is, what the chaos means. Um, I think when you when you prayerfully, logically think about the implicate absorbing the implications of this. I think it means that there are are at least question marks over the legitimacy of the church, you know, churches like this, who Mm -hmm. who are, quote-unquote, on their website, unashamedly egalitarian. I think there is at least a question mark over the legitimacy of the church. Based on God's standards, Mm -hmm. away from me, I never knew you Mm -hmm. was the standard. And I think if you push it even further to say that, given that it's antichrist, are these people even disciples of the coming king? I think there's a conversation about that. Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it was it was the church in Sardis that Jesus speaks to them and says, you have the reputation yeah. of being alive, <laughs> mm-hmm. but actually you are dead. And I, th- we, we need to take in those words that often the things, because something can look, very good and successful and, and not chaotic and not lawless and disobedient. Mm-hmm. We can create mm. something that looks very successful, but is actually built on nothing other than human willpower. Yeah. Um and is actually at its core spiritually dead. Yeah.
0: Yeah, we're not trying to convince you listening or watching that um the egalitarian position has no substance theologically. Because we want you to watch Mike's piece on that. And Mike, it, Mike would be a good place to to do that work with. And it's important that we do that work and with our Bibles mm-hmm. open. What we're doing here is, is I think, just really focusing on that and what's the, what's implication, the implication of that. Mm-hmm. And we're not looking for you to write in and tell us what you think that is. We're telling you that there's only a rational... It's, a, it's only a lukewarm, chaotic church that wouldn't make this... Implication clear Mm -hmm. that, you know, there are some things that will qualify us, disqualify us. And there are some things that are so terminally serious in terms of a question mark over the fruit of someone's life or leadership that um, it was Rico Tice, who about four or five years ago, maybe of Justin Welby, who I'm assuming that most people listening to my voice our voices will not need persuading is um, nowhere near being faithful to scripture. It was Rico Tice, who is another, I don't know Rico personally, but he's um, a minister in the church of England and he'd been approached by Justin Welby to be part of his evangelism task force. Hmm. Uh, as I say, now about four years ago and Rico Tice's response was to say, no, I can't be part of that because he, he was recognizing that Justin Welby's position on the Bible and the yeah. Lord was tantamount to being, quote, a different religion. Yeah. And that's, that's what I'm wanting us to say. I mean, I, I'm, this is tantamount to a different religion. I'm not saying that everybody who's an egalitarian no. isn't saved. I'm not saying that everybody, no. every egalitarian church has no hope. What I'm saying is the essential position is a different religion. It's not, it's not consistent with apostolic faith. It's not. It's not. It's not consistent with the with the Apostles' Creed or the Nicene Creed. It's not consistent and compatible with historical apostolic faith. And I tell you what, it's not consistent with the church that's preparing for the Lord's mm-hmm. return. It's just mm-hmm. not. This is one of the, I would say, the premier emphasis, the emphases of the Holy Spirit for the church who will be faithful to sort themselves out is this issue of egalitarianism. Mm -hmm. It's that serious. It's at the heart of the church that's preparing for the Lord's return to recognise that male leadership is not chauvinism. It's not not inequality. It's not um, abuse. It's not, you know? Mm
1: -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I think when we, I guess, coming back to where we started, talking about the chaos, you know, everybody... The majority in the church recognize that the spiritual state of the country is awful, you know, terrible. Mm -hmm. And the spiritual state of the church is awful. (laughs) And for me, this is this and I'll try and make the link here is like the, the abortion topic. Imagine what the state of our general spiritual health is like in the country because of. The reality of abortion yeah. that has an implication yeah. on the spiritual health of our whole country mm-hmm. because we allow that to happen mm-hmm. and we don't talk about it and we don't stand up for it and we don't pray and all those things. Mm-hmm. And I th- I can see that I feel that the the reality of women in leadership across churches across this country has the same implication yeah. that it negatively impact the spiritual health of the church in the same way Mm -hmm. that abortion affects the whole of society. Yeah.
0: And I I would say in the same way that if you were unconscious in a hospital bed tonight, something happened to you, you were knocked over on on your bike by a car and you were knocked unconscious and you had a brain tumour or something and you were... In intensive care, with tubes down your throat, up your nose, you had an IV line in with drug. You know, you you were oblivious to how seriously close you are mm. to slipping into eternal death. We read just last week this amazingly powerful piece about hell, the the destiny of the, uh, the sorry the eternal destiny of the unsaved, and that uh, this is what I think the church is like. We're on a we're unconscious mm. with with our vital life support not being something we are in, like we're being supported by machines. We are oblivious to how seriously unwell we are. Mm. And like you say, the litmus test of abortion, for example, and the joke, the farce that that event was a few months ago, where there was a supposed day of repentance, about 5 million babies. I was with people that day. Just so happened. I haven't said this publicly I was with. I just so happened to be with two people who were speaking at that event. Within an hour or two of the event, the whole day of prayer and, uh, and repentance for five million babies. Listen to what I'm saying. Five, this is why. This is why we're pushing you to begin to to f- absorb the implications of what we're saying. It's very easy to hear about five million babies, and it kind of not penetrate. Mm. It might land here, but does it go here? And with these two guys, and they were just congratulating on... This is not... I'm not slating these two guys. I just happened to be in a conversation Mm -hmm. with the three of them, congratulating each other on how well they did speaking that day, how well they did representing their respective organizations that day. If that was a genuine day of repentance for five million babies, their eyes would have been bloodshot They would have been trembling. They would not have been congratulating each other on how well they'd spoken at an event Mm -hmm. which was supposedly a day of prayer and repentance. Mm -hmm. I'm telling you, that's why we didn't go to that event. We should feel indignation. We should feel anger at this. I'm not going to try and be Mike Wingo about this. I'm not going to try and be American about this. We're talking about matters of eternal significance. And I'm telling you now, church in Perth, Perth Baptist Church, unashamedly egalitarian. It's like saying you're unashamedly antichrist. You're lost. Spiritually, spiritually, you're lost and you're unashamed. You're boasting about that. Father, I just pray now, Lord, as we feel hot in our spirits, as I feel hot, Lord, our desire is not to be sinful. Our desire is to, above all things, hallow your name. Above all things, it's to glorify you. Above all things, it's to honour you, to bear witness faithfully, to die for you if needs be. Lord, how much easier in some ways would it be to live in Iran and to be faced with the thought of a guillotine or a bullet to the head? Lord, we live in this Western world in which the thought of martyrdom is, is an, isn't a reality. So insignificant is the church to the powers that be. And also, Lord, we don't know what else to say except, Mar and Arthur, come, Lord, please have mercy on the church of which we are a part and our hearts break Seeing this smorgasbord dog's dinner of a mess. And all we don't want to be part of that. We don't want to be yoked with that. We want to be separate from that. We want mm. to be distinct and faithful. God, precious Jesus, you're worth more to us. You're worth everything. You are our lives. Anything that would contradict you. Anything that would contradict the the teaching of your word, Lord, we say no to. We say that's antichrist. We call it what it is. Lord, at this point in history, where hope feels very frail, that you would be re-clarifying in one generation what it means to be a faithful disciple of the coming king, Messiah, Yeshua, Lord, that we would be bold enough to proclaim that without compromise, without seeker sensitivity. And Lord, that wherever this lands, that people would rouse from that slumber. Lord, I pray in the name of Jesus that there would be conviction in these so-called churches, so-called Christians, so-called Christian spiritual leaders who teach and function from a place that is anti-Christ, anti-your word. I pray that you would convict them, pray that you would give them dreams that disturb them and throw them to their knees. Hmm. Lord, I pray ultimately that your your blood-bought covenant of redemption would triumph in our days, that surely we would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living, that we would see the church truly turn in repentance truly fall to their knees
1: Mm.
0: and not try and shoehorn the notion of repentance into the normal arrhythmias of so-called church culture. Lord, we pray ultimately for your glory and we ask you to act. It is time for the Lord to act, for your law has been broken, is being broken.
1: Mm.
0: Thank you, Jesus, we pray in your precious name. Mm. Amen.
1: Lord, I just, I pray today that as people listen or think about these, this oh, God. just hugely important topic, Father, would you expose our lostness? Um, would you reveal the ways in which we have moved aside, picked our own ways of doing things where we have chosen our own ideas and our own desires over mm. your plain and simple word that you gave for our good and for our benefit and for our spiritual health and would you help us to, to see where we have done that Lord and I pray for people who, who are going to take the time to, to really think about this and to study it and Lord would you would you just show them expose it all, open it all up Lord mm. let there be clarity that comes in yeah, show them the implications and Lord, Lord that you you say that when we seek we will find mm. and Lord that's just not some nice phrase to be repeated that's the truth of who you are and how you work Spirit with us of the living God. when we surrender ourselves to you mm. you will come in and bring clarity mm. to our hearts and to our minds Lord mm. and I pray sin, Lord. Yeah, I just pray for people that on don't even sport. want to go there, Lord. That don't mm. even want to to think about being wrong, Lord. Would you mm. just soften their hearts mm. and help them to, oh, Lord? You are worth more than anything. There is nothing that is worth more than having you and knowing you. And I pray that that would just be forefront for every single person that regardless of what maybe we would like to be, that we would hold that above Mm. everything, that every issue we come to, every topic we discuss, that we would hold that as the most important thing and that anything else has to fall Mm. under that and in line with that, Lord. Mm. So, Lord, we we just pray for people listening today and just pray that you would holy spirit that you would just bring wisdom and guidance and leading in all these areas and we ask these mm. things jesus in your name Amen. Mm.
0: lord you are more precious than silver lord you are more costly Than gold Lord You are More beautiful than diamonds And nothing we desire Compares with you I pray, Father, that we're people are oblivious to the agendas that they have that are their gods, that for them are more precious, whether they realize it or not, to their hearts than your name, than your ways, than your wisdom reveal to them, I pray, the idolatry of their hearts so as to save them I pray for mercy, Lord. I pray for great mercy on every egalitarian disciple, so-called. I pray every egalitarian church, every woman in a position that is opposed to the nature of you, your word. I pray that you would reveal the idolatry of their hearts to them before it's too late. I pray in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. Do you want to just remind folk of those resources? Just Yeah,
1: so a couple of things that will pop into the show notes are the links, uh, the, whatever you call it on YouTube, I don't know. Um, so there'll be uh, a link to Mike Coinger's video um, and his whole series and that that you can access there. Uh, Destroying Our Gender, which is a video with that Nick did with lots of church leaders from across the country, including... Uh, melvin tinker all to do with gender and what's happening so that's a really good one to watch as well and we'll pop in a gospel coalition article as well that's worth a read um two and i think i think that's everything